For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com this is the last minute blues podcast with jeff burton donnie fandango and former blues defenseman jamie rivers it is the last minute blues podcast donnie fandango jeff burton and jamie rivers listen gentlemen listen listen all right we have a an amazing following here with folks that are sending us emails. They are sending us emails at a clip in which that we cannot respond to all of the emails. So I can't type that. Good fast. problem to have. So today, it's a great problem to have. Yeah. So today, we're going through the emails. Is it email day like today? It. Let's go right into emails. All right, straight email into get it. emails. Go. And go. I've got a surprise for you guys okay. too. Okay, but we can't go straight into the emails because I wanted to go to something else. Oh, so Don, it's Donnie's show again. Yeah, it's Donnie's show. You didn't know that? It has to do with you, jerk, so stop. He, and, by the <laughs> way, he's looking at Jamie, not Jeff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. so you know. Yeah, well, Jeff. I think people have figured it out by now when he says that, it's probably <laughs> the jerk. Yeah. Oh, no, it could easily be either one. That's fine. So, Jamie, I want you to talk about this. The press release was released on Saturday by the Blues. It's uh, the St. Louis Blues Alumni and Youth Bridge Community Foundation announced the Blues Alumni Assistance Fund. Yeah. And it sounds like an amazing freaking idea. Can you kind of talk about the ins and outs of this dude wow okay I or didn't, just what you know about it no i didn't expect this today which is fine it's good it makes me emotional okay for real good. it makes me emotional good because i did uh, not know you had a heart so let's see i it. do and so the, the 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 crux of this is there's a lot of different funds out there heck you know dave portnoy barstool sports fund he's rescuing restaurant after restaurant after restaurant and that's nationwide people always wonder what can i do in my community because we love St. Louis. We love the restaurants. We love the small businesses, all the above. And the Blues Alumni was formed eons ago, and it only exists because of the great people here in St. Louis. Truth. We raise money, we do charity work, and we do all these things. But without the donations, without people buying into it, without people uh, wanting to be a part of the Blues Alumni charities and whatnot, we don't exist. We're irrelevant, right? And that's the hardest thing to to dive into a little bit is as a former athlete or entertainer or whatever, when you leave that sport, you kind of feel like you're irrelevant now. Okay. Like, okay, you've been used up. We're done. Go over here, get in the, get in the misfit toy pile because you're broken now. So this has always given us a purpose here in St. Louis to be part of the alumni. And we're very proud of it. There's 40 or 50 guys who still live in town. And when we put on an event, Jeff, you saw it firsthand. Uh We put on the alumni all-star game. How many people came in for that from oh, all over the place? It was packed. Yeah, I mean, had, you couldn't get a ticket. It was sold oh, out. Yeah. We had name after name after name show up to help support. Cost us nothing, by the way, to do that. Cost us zero money to raise money for everything that day. That's wow. awesome. Wow. Wayne Gretzky and, was there. Doug Gilmore. The, like, you name it. Yeah. Are you talking about the alumni game the other yeah. day? And by the way, uh, more kudos to you guys. I believe the NHL came and went, okay, this is the example from here on out, right? Well, they basically said, oh, my God. What are you guys doing down here? Because the NHL alumni needs to do this in every city. And we're lucky. We're at the new Centene Community Ice Center. We have a beautiful locker room that rivals almost any NHL locker room I had in my day. Certainly times are different now. But it's incredible. And so the Blues Alumni Fund 
we thought of putting together something that could help local small businesses. Certainly, you know, Enterprise and Boeing, they don't need any help. Their times are tough, too. I get everybody's hit by it, but it's the little guy that needs help. It's the little guy that paid the money to come and watch us play. It's the little guy that spends, you know, money to come to the Blues Fantasy Camp. It's the couple of people who own uh, a small business that want to be a part of some of the charities that we represent. So what's the best way to do it? Give back, right? I live here now. I live in St. Louis. So many guys live here. And without the city of St. Louis, what could I do? Look, at I work here every single day in St. Louis, talking to St. Louis people, helping St. Louis kids, doing so many things in the community, raising money in the community. This is where I live. So this is my home. Why would I not help this city? And right now is an opportune time for us to do it. So we're, we've put in uh, a small amount of money to, to start it off at I mean, fifty thousand dollars. I wouldn't yeah. call it small. I would not call that right. small, but okay. all right. Well, to some people, okay. For for the majority of people, it's a big chunk of money. But sure. we put in a, an, an amount of money, and now we're going to be matching money. And we have an anonymous donor who's going to, if we get to three hundred thousand dollars raised, is going to match that three hundred thousand to make it six hundred thousand. So somebody with some deep pockets is going to come in and help people with you know maybe not so deep pockets, which is again. It represents St. Louis. Yeah. yeah How many awesome, people dude. always want to help each other? To me, it's amazing. St. Louis is a city that gets a bad rap sometimes on a national level and sometimes international level. But once you live here, you know what it's all about and you feel what it's like to be a part of this. And so for us, for the alumni and the guys involved, this is a massive project for us. And, and anybody who may or may not be thinking about jumping on this bandwagon, uh, first of all, I don't think there's alumni organizations in other major sports that do this sort of thing. I could be 100% wrong. But I've been around – I haven't done any work with you guys. I've just been at your events. But I've been around these guys, the alumni, and they are ridiculously caring. And I think, and I've said this story many, many times before, but I think it's probably because of your guys' upbringing that you guys are so respectful to other human beings. Because I don't know if it was the case with you, but I think it was. A lot of times you got to leave your house very, very early oh, yeah. in life, 15. and you have to go to a host house. And if you're a dick at the host house, bye bye So you learn manners right away, and you learn respect right away. And I think it's amazing that you're still doing this. Question to this is, you said 40 to 50 alumni are living in St. Louis? Yeah, in an, any point of the season, into point of the year, because some guys do still hold jobs down. Like Scott Mellenby works with Montreal Canadiens, but he still lives here. Right, okay. So who would be a past Blues player that we would be shocked to be like, oh my gosh, that guy still lives in St. Louis? Oh, wow. Well, Greg Pazlowski lived here not too long ago, and that was kind of like, oh, my God, what's Pazzer's yeah, doing right, here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dwight Schofield, does that name wow, ring a bell? Yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. Scoey, he, he's a full-timer here, lives in St. Louis. Um, you know, obviously, Keith Kachuk lives here. Sure. Uh, Al McInnes lives here, you know, but they work with the team. Uh, there's lots of guys. Uh, Blake Dunlop still works and lives here. Um, I'm trying to think. John Casey still lives in St. Louis. John Casey no lives kidding. here. Yeah, John Casey. Wow. So, you know, you've got a lot of guys. I mean, I could try and go through the locker room and try and figure because everybody has their own stall in the locker room, which is kind oh, of neat, Oh, with the alumni too. locker room. Okay. The alumni yeah. locker room. Oh, that's so cool. Which is neat, too, because you get to go around and, you know, you see guys all the time. Like Bobby Plager comes in, Bruce Affleck, Larry Patey, Mike Zook. Beer He's, drinking Bruce Affleck. It's amazing. It's cool, Donnie. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no. It's cool to be in that room. And I haven't been in the new one, but I was in the old one, which was old school. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. But yeah. still amazing. I mean, still was set up. But the neat thing is just to hear the 
ball busting the entire. <laughs> I'm sure. God forbid Jimmy Campbell sits anywhere near the food spread. Oh God, because then it's hey Jimmy, give somebody else off. a chance. You know that sort of. Thing. It's all day. Oh, I see Soupy sitting next to the beer cooler again. You know that sort of. Thing. It's the best. It so really do you, is. Do you guys like? Do you guys scrimmage against each other? Yes. Do you? So you do. So we meet up three times a week. Um, now it's not mandatory. Obviously, it's when you can do it. But we have three skates a week: Monday morning, Wednesday afternoon, and Friday morning. And that's just a weekly thing. And what we do is we get together as the alumni, and we usually have a good number of guys, not everybody. Uh, and then we play against some local hockey players, so like men's league guys. Or we get a lot of guys now that because because we've grown the sport here in St. Louis as, as a community and as the alumni, we have a lot of guys that come back now after college. They, they play a little brief stint of like pro hockey or they go whatever, they play club hockey at college. They come back and then they're wanting to play men's league, but men's league is not always competitive enough. So they come on, they're like, hey, can we skate against the alumni? And we call them the gray team because they wear gray jerseys. We used to call them the Washington Generals. I was going to say Washington Generals. <laughs> Damn it. it. Is it always just a is It, always it just used a to be a bloodbath. Yeah. Okay. Um, but because, again, so we're kind of biting ourselves in, in the butt here because now we've made all these good hockey players. <laughs> they come back and they're flying around and we're like, son of a. Yeah, you can't use that against me. <laughs> oh my God. But you know what? The best thing is, is we always resort to the old school rules. So somebody will go get a little fancy, get a little too fast to the outside and we'll just like. Stick the stick in between a lot. When I play, Affleck, <laughs> Affleck did Bruce Affleck. And they'll be like, "Yeah, that's appealing." Not when I play. Affleck, Affleck did Bruce Affleck did that to me. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. I do the circle around. Just stuck the stick. We in. we passed each other at the blue dot. Uh, oh you know, yeah. I do the circle around. Stuck the stick. We in. we passed each other at the blue dot uh, or at the. I'm around. He's talking to me like this, and I'm going, "Oh yeah." And the whole time he just went whoop, and I mean. <laughs> Like I said, we always say, well, that, those were the rules. We see it coming. It's awesome. And we, that's right. Oh. Like I said, we always say, well, that, those were the rules when we played. And that's what happens. Like a time warp. Oh, we play here. That's our rules. And the funniest thing is um, Larry Payton. Do you guys remember Larry Payton? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Number, another number six. Yep. So a little mad respect for the game. And that one, Larry Payton plays every single alumni game like it's game seven of the Stanley Cup final. These kids who come in to play, they don't really know who Larry Patey is. They right. kind of, sort of, but not really. And then all of a sudden, they'll be skating down the ice, and Larry's, like, hacking them. Like, <laughs> whack, 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 whack. And they're like, what the hell is fucking go? And they're like, they don't know what the hell is going. Rub them up against the boards and take the puck and go. And they're like, they don't know what the hell is going on. Like, right. is this a joke? And then they'll, like, try to play hard against me. Like, turn and, like, smash their stick. Yeah, and Larry Patey's not exactly 35 years old. No, Larry's in his 60s, but he, honestly, he's in, he's like a 37-year-old body. He yeah. is, like, still in great shape, and he, I've never seen anybody work harder at a, a fun game. Wait, is he in real estate? Yeah, he's okay. a realtor. I remember because I remember seeing him walking out of an event, and I was walking by, close to him, and his security kept telling me to get away, obviously. But he does not look like that age at all. No. And the other one, just to get off of this whole alumni thing, Red Berenson out there in that alumni game? That was crazy. Uh, what did he have, like four goals or something, It was too? crazy. And he's and 107 or yeah, whatever he is? I think he's 103. But oh, still. Um, my, my, I'm sorry, Red. Way off. Yeah. Uh, but no, Red was awesome. He came out and he had you know the Michigan helmet on and comes out. And at first, everybody's like, okay, like Red's out here. We're not going to be like heroes, you know? 
Red's out there hacking and whacking mm-hmm. and scoring goals. We're like, okay, well, screw Red. <laughs> right. This is for real now. Red, Red is yeah. here to play, so yeah, I guess certainly. we're going to play. He yeah. was, and then he just gives you that look. You know, he's got that military background, so he just kind of gives you that look, and you're like, okay, I feel like I just did something wrong. And in the same respect, sweet man. Oh, he's awesome. Oh, sweet man. Awesome. Talk to you for hours, tell you stories about things, and uh, just one of the greatest guys ever. But that's the beauty of it, right? Yep. Is we get to see these guys from past decades. Gary Unger was there, and it's like, holy crap. Still man. has the flow, too. He Gary does Unger. still have the man, flow. Man, he's got the hair. Oh, cool stuff. So, Donnie, has. is there a website or anything attached to that well, release that he, they put out there? Here's what we got. Here's, here's what it says. It says, beginning on March 29th, small businesses can apply for aid by submitting an application to stlouisbluesalumni.com. Uh, and then also it says, uh, for more information, contact the Blues uh, Alumni Assistance Fund. That's contact at stlbluesalumni.com. And you can follow the initiative through their social media channels as well, at Blues Alumni on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Yeah, at Blues Alumni is the Twitter account. And uh, it's live and well, and uh, they've got all the info up there as well, as well as the website. So I went a little out of order as to how we were going to start the podcast today because uh, – a couple days ago, Mr. Rivers, you celebrated a birthday. Happy birthday, Jamie! Hey, happy birthday, buddy! Thank you very much. When, when was it? it? March 16th. Oh, Tuesday. That's today. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to be acting like we're recording the <laughs> show on, on, on Thursday. Son of Be- a bitch, no, Jeff. No, but what, the best I, part is that... We uh, even talked about yes, this. I kind of clued in. You tried God, to sewer me, because I know you were waiting to say... A couple of days ago, you were waiting for me to say, no, today... And then I didn't. I sewered myself. Well, I wasn't trying to sewer anybody. Right, I just stop talking about it now. Are we? Or are we just going to leave it in and let it go? I don't leave know. Leave it in. I think it let just it shows That's, the beauty uh, of trust it. Trust me. That's how it happens. Hey, I've been <laughs> What? <laughs> Four kids later. Uh, so we're recording on Tuesday, releasing the podcast on Thursday. <laughs> Today is Jamie's birthday. Happy hey! birthday, Jamie! <laughs> Thank you, Sorry, guys. <laughs> Stop it, dude. I, hey, listen. get off my ass, dude. I, I'm sick. You know that. Listen, We're not going oh, near now that. Now, that's not freaking fair. <laughs> Out of all of the guys to not use the big C on, that's me, man. I didn't say man. C. I said I was sick. That's you and You I was like, inferred. don't worry. All right. So let's, all get to these, let's get to these goddamn emails. Just a dumpster and fire. This kind of actually goes a little bit to what we were talking about. Uh and this is from Matthew. He says, I was doing some research into how the NHL takes care of its uh, former players and couldn't find much information. I made a small list of players who are still living who played a considerable amount of games, and I wanted to ask Jamie how the NHL takes care of these people. I can't imagine with the low salaries in the 1920s these guys were able to save. Was there a pension in place? Thank you. And then he goes on to list um, <clears throat> you know, some guys. Uh, Vic uh, Stasnik, who's 91, played in 745 NHL games and a few other players of that ilk. Do you have an answer for Matthew? Uh, yeah, so this is a complicated answer. Um, because there's different entities, right? Like when you play in the NHL, you have the NHL as a league. You have the NHLPA that takes care of the players. And then now, rebranded and actually people who give a crap, the NHL alumni, uh, which is, you know, the players, or the NHL alumni for the players. The league does an okay job of following up. Okay. They do work with the NHL Alumni Association, uh, and there is fine money that they collect for infractions, and that money gets divvied up for emergency funds for guys who maybe don't have jobs, don't have money, substance abuse problems, uh, mental health issues. Like, it happens, right? And it's a weird thing. It's a weird transition from 
being a pro athlete to not being a pro athlete. Yeah. And then there's a lot of things that happen mentally, physically, there's damage everywhere. I'm not going to go into all that because that, yeah. honestly, that's a whole episode one time, and I might need alcohol for that one to get through it. Um, well, I should be sweating any minute now. Yeah. So just take some of that if you want. <laughs> but the NHLPA does nothing for the players. Once you retire, you're gone. And I hate to say you're dead to them because that's unfair. There's some guys that work with the NHLPA that I really, really like that are great friends of mine. Matthew Schneider's way up in there, and Schneider and I were roommates with the Red Wings. Sorry, Jeff. It's all right. Um, and he's an awesome dude. But they really do nothing effectively. Like once you retire, you're you're like, oh, you're not no longer an active player, you know. So you're out of our hands. And then the NHL doesn't really do anything for the players. They work in collaboration with the NHL Alumni Association, and which that was defunct for a while. It was some people that were in charge of that were doing wrong things with that. Glenn Healy has stepped in and he's done an amazing job of rebranding it. Um, and doing a great job. Basically, it's for the players now is what the tagline is because so many guys for so many years, the players got screwed over when the careers got finished. And to your point, some guys, the maximum they made way back in the day was like $75,000 a year. You look at that, and back then it was big money, but how's that going to last in the rest of his life? Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Um, so pensions are there. Uh, the NHL does a better job of setting up pensions now so that guys are taken care of. In my time, you had to reach the 400-game threshold. Once you played 400 games, you had full, you were fully vested in your pension, um, which still is nothing, really. It's a small amount. After, after the age of 55, you get to access your pension. So what happens to the guy who plays till he's 30, gets his 400 games, plays till he's 30, and then he doesn't get access to his money until he's 55? What's he supposed to do? Right. Right? So... It's it's gotten better, I can tell you that, and good people like Glenn Healy and the Bruce Afflecks of the world who care, who are helping out and doing stuff, uh, have made it a lot better for the players. But, yeah, that's kind of how it rolls. And it's something that definitely needs some more work. Is, it needs a lot more work. Yeah, like when I hear that baseball players, you know, once they're fully vested, it's like they, they get a, a grant of like 200000 a year to live off of, and that's, a, you know, nobody's asking for that. Pretty but, decent retirement. But... Pretty It'd be nice to get something more than thirty five thousand a year twenty five years later. You know, I think I've I think I've asked you this before, but it just popped into my head when you said when you retire because we talked to Barrett Jackman and he gave us the scoop on once you're retired, I don't even know how to make a doctor appointment. I don't know what to do with myself. Those sorts of things. And again, I think you've talked about this before, but the way your body is now, the injuries, the the nagging stuff, the stuff that will be with you for the rest of your life, you'd still go back and do it all over again, right? A hundred percent. There's no doubt I'd do it over again. Would I do some certain things differently? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't make it rain every night at the bar for a decade straight when money's coming in, you know? Right. I, it's those of us who were there appreciated it. So. <laughs> you're, you're welcome, Jeff. And you were there for a yes, lot of I nights. Yes, I was a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, look, you live and learn, and there's no handbook. And so to your point earlier about people leave home early, I left home at 15. Right. And... Uh, you start playing hockey at four or five years old, you leave home, what else do you know? You don't really know anything else. And so it's not like somebody who gets a job in high school, then college, and they develop a profession. And then when they get to the age of 40, they're established in life because they've done it the right way. There's been a small increment every year of hopefully good finances, hopefully good planning and learning and budgeting because- Career access to- Whatever, right? 
well, that doesn't happen with, with guys like us because at like 19, I'm handed a check for, you know, half a million dollars. And so you're like, whoop, you right, go right yeah. up to the top of the roller coaster. But then it start, that roller coaster starts to make its way down. And by the time it comes down, you're, you're at the bottom when it's over. Yeah. And so the money's gone for the most part. And what do you do now? You don't have a follow-up to it. Some guys do. And I did a little bit of preparation, but I was still scrambling. And there's a lot of things that come with it. You don't know what the hell to do with yourself. What do you do? I get up every day. I'm told what to do, where to be, you know, how to do it. Now I'm sitting at home and there is a depression that sets in. And there's an adrenaline rush that I can't explain. And people look at, oh, he's, oh, macho testosterone, right? No, you don't understand it. When you have... 20,000 people, they're screaming and things are happening on the ice. And there's a guy that literally wants to take your head off and you have to make a play. And then you make the play and it's successful. There's a rush to that. There's another adrenaline rush when you run somebody over in a massive playoff game. And you know that your entire city who's sitting back home watch on TV, everybody's up out of their chairs because it was a great big hit. Where do you find that now in life? Where do you find it? I can't go into Walmart and run a guy through the aisle, right? <laughs> I got you. I got you. Paintball. I mean, I can. Paintball. Same thing. <laughs> but, but my point is, though, is you start to go look for that adrenaline rush in different ways, and that's where you head down a dark path. Bad path. And man. we all end up there. I did, too. I did, too. I was in a bad spot, man. I was in a really bad spot, and uh, family helped pull me through some of that. And oddly enough, a guy named Tony Twist helped me through a whole bunch of that. You know, he had experienced some of this earlier when he had the career-ending injury uh, on a, in a, a motorcycle, motorcycle accident. Yeah. And so he he knew how to navigate through this. He made a lot of bad decisions after he had to retire, and there was a lot of depression. There was a lot of, like, anger, and I was feeling a lot of the same things. So Twister and I started to hang out, like mandatory hangouts, and he wouldn't let me off the hook. Heck, he'd come get me at 7 o'clock in the morning. Nope, get up. Let's go. We're going to do something. And so then I started working with Twister, and we started, crazy enough, we started replacing windshields. He's done three, or back in the day, he's done three windshields for me. So I'm sitting here. I'm crazy, an, right? You know, I'm like, I'm an NHL hockey player. Now I'm standing on top of an 18-wheeler, and I'm doing windshields? What the hell went wrong? But I loved it. Yeah. I was part of a small team that he had, and we got together every day, and we had to go do this. And then there was goals set every day to where we had to get all of this done. And when we did, we sat around and had a beer at the end of the day. It absolutely saved me from craziness because I was probably going to lose my mind, probably lose my marriage, probably lose everything because it was really, really hard. Because it gave you somewhere to go and it gave you a purpose. And it gave me uh, a buddy who knew what I was going through. Right. And a guy that could say to me, wake up. What are you doing? Wake up. You know, and coming from Tony Twist, think about that. You're like, okay, Twister, I sing your song and dance. Yeah, exactly. This is why I'm telling you, you need to change. Right. And he was great. And finances were tough. I mean, open book here. Finances were tough, and Twister had done well with the windshield company and managed his money well from restaurants and bars. He helped me out. He helped me get on my feet. He helped me with the the uh, idea of Synergy Hockey and, you know, at first was willing to even front the money to get it started. I had a local guy here that was passionate, too, and wanted to do that, and so I just went that route because I didn't want Twister to be – spread out too thin or or to miss a payment on tony twist well I, there's a lot of people what's crazy is you're right there's a lot of people that don't miss payments i'll tell you that much i've never worried about that with, with twister we have a very unique relationship if i called him right now and i said to him i need you here immediately 
I can't tell you why, but I need you here in 15 minutes. He'd be here. Wow. That's and great so, to know. It's crazy sometimes the people that you end up with who save you from things are the ones you least expect it from. I, I just went through it. Yeah. But how many people, if you said that, how many people right now listening are going to go, Tony Twist right? saved him? Yeah. yeah. That guy was an animal. I remember Tony twisted the bars after he retired, beating the living crap out of everybody in sight and fighting every night and being drunk and driving off on his motorcycle. That guy saved Rivers? What kind of a mess was Rivers, you know? You learn from that, and Twister had evolved, and now you know he's a different person, and he saw me as one of his own, and he wanted to help. So it was, it was the perfect guy at the perfect time. You know, I, I tell you, one of the things as a sports fan um, that I really, one of the narratives that drives me crazy is the narrative about athletes, well, well, they make X amount of dollars, so blah, blah, blah. Like, it should fix everything. Like, they're somehow not people, too, with emotions, with families, with, you know what I mean? Bad, bad decisions. All of that. Agents that steal, all that stuff. Dude, they're the same people as us. They're just just doing a different friggin' job. And, And so that's sort of... Oh well, it must have been tough with all those millions kind of crap. Yeah. I hate that. Man. There's a lot of it pressure so that comes insensitive. with those millions. Though. Absolutely, and it does. Let's just re- note, recognize here that there's in my time there weren't a lot of the millions. And yeah, seriously, and the highest amount I ever made, and you can go look at it on Hockey DB. It doesn't matter to me. Was seven hundred twenty-five thousand in one year. That's the highest I ever made in a fourteen-year career. So everything else was under that. Sounds like a lot of money. It is. Cut it in half immediately because of taxes. Yeah. Cut it in half. I mean, literally cut it in half. Then I had to have a house in New York at the time. Had to keep the place back here in St. Louis. So that's two mortgages going. You've got two, all the bills in different places. Plus, I had a place up in Canada because, well, that's home for me. So I did a small lake house. Well, that's another set of bills. You've got your agent to pay. You've got insurance to pay. You've got all the stuff that goes on. You whittle that down. And, yeah, you're still making a good living, probably somewhere around the 200 thousand dollar mark but you're having to keep up this lifestyle too and nothing is normal in that life because you have a hockey season then you leave then you have upkeep you have people that break your shit when you're not there you know that kind of stuff and 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 things like that happen so at the end of the day uh for someone like me who averaged probably around three hundred thousand a year average cut it in half it's 150 do the houses. Before you know it, it's like seventy five grand a year I was making. I, I yeah, just, but you're playing a sport for a living, man. And it's look, it's not a pity party. I, no, it's no, not. Trust it's me, like, what I, I try to do with that is not people, oh well, seventy five grand. You know what I would do with that? You're right. I get it. Seventy five grand is a good living. But when your career is limited, I was thirty four years old, my career ended. Now what? Right. Seventy five grand, I'll take it. If you would have told me at twenty years old, you're gonna make seventy five grand a year for the next forty years, well now I have a plan. Sure. And now I kind of know what I can make. I kind of can invest. I can start a college fund for this. I can do this. But when it's unknown every year, when I was a free agent, and you don't know where your next paycheck's coming from, and now you're at the end of October, season started, and you're still sitting at home and you have no job, and all that money you think you saved starts whittling away because you don't have another job, it's just... It's a different animal than what people perceive it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 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 just it's problems. It's just different problems. Yeah, for I'm a glad different you game. went through that because I think a lot of people look at it differently now. Oh, they'll still say, "Oh, screw you! You were well paid. Maybe you should have played better." You're right. Maybe I should have. Yeah. 
Maybe I should have knocked your front teeth out. Yeah. What, uh, what yeah. happened? What? Yeah, yeah. Where am I? I like that. All right, we move on to this one from uh, Eric. Hey, man, I've been listening to Jeff since his first morning show on oh, The Point. Sorry about that. And I'm a, hey. hate to say it, casual hockey fan, but want to be a huge blues fan. You guys are helping me get through there or get to that with the insight that you have. Your podcast is doing wonders for me as far as getting to that level. Thanks for all you do. Uh, let's see. Uh, thanks for all you do. Uh, loving it. I feel like I could just go hang out with you guys at Mississippi Nights if it were still oh, around and watch boy. a nerd show. Talking Love you too, Donnie. Oh. Get, keep up the good work. One of my favorite uh, evenings with Jamie, That well, I shouldn't say one of my favorite, one of that really stands out to me is a night at Mississippi Nights. And I don't remember who was playing it. I don't think it really It was The Urge. To, was it The Urge, really? No, no, no. It was, uh, oh my God, who was it? Soul Kiss. Oh, wow. Soul, Soul Kiss. Kiss. Wow. All right. That's my buddy PJ. You I could were, have been there too. Yeah, very, you were, very possible. You asked me you said, what are you doing? We got together. We said, oh, we're going to go to Mississippi. Great. That's a good band here. Can you come out, meet them? And then you're like, hey, why don't you announce them on stage? Like, bring them on. So I was like, okay, fine. So it was Soul Kiss. Wow, that's crazy. One of the things, and going back to being in the bars and making it rain and all that stuff was, and I wonder how you handled this when I wasn't around, but the dudes that were hangers on, man, the amount the of dudes that I saw, Jamie would be talking with someone and these dudes, and there was maybe two of them. Would be talking to somebody, and the the thing that got to me was when one of your boys went like this with his empty bottle without turning away from the conversation to you. He went like this, and he went, and it was not like you were at the bar ordering, like, hey, who needs one? And he did this. He just went, Jamie, like that. And I never, ever wanted to be that guy around you. And if I was... I didn't mean to be. I don't think you're. I don't I, think you could be that. Guy. I don't. You know, I, it I makes don't my skin so, crawl to so, have somebody that at that time had all that money just going. I got it for you, man. Don't worry about it. When you have all those other people around you. So what happens there is it's an interesting situation because there's half of it that is ego for the individual for me because I'm like. I got this, you know, yeah. like I don't care. Like I, I, in four days I'm getting another huge check or whatever. And it is, it's, it's an ego driven thing that I got. Don't worry. I got it. Right. And it's also an ego driven thing to where you look over at the bartender and you're just like, yeah, let's go load them up, whatever we need, you know, and she's pouring whatever doesn't matter. I don't care what the bill is. I don't care if I'm being overcharged. I don't care why. Cause I have the money. I'm not thinking smart. Right. I'm thinking about I'm a big shot, right. you know, and it was wrong to do that. And so you're right. And you know me, my, my biggest philosophy, and Jeff, you'll know this, is I never wanted to, like, make a grand entrance somewhere, right? But when we got into the bar, I was always like, if you build it, they will come, mm-hmm. right? And so we start to have our little party, two, three people. All of a sudden, we're laughing. We're joking. Somebody finds out, oh, Jamie Rivers is here or Jim Campbell or the Blues or Jeff Burton's here because we had the, the morning show going at the same time. They come over. Two becomes four, becomes eight, becomes 20 people. All of a sudden, you've got this massive party, and you're like, hey, I feel like I'm a pretty big king, you know what, around here. Right. All right, drinks for everybody. And you put it. It's just it was so easy because if you remember how Mississippi Nights was set up, oh yeah, there was clusters of chairs by the bar. Like if you're on the stage over here on the left, cluster of of chairs and stuff, and there was literally a railing there. So we would get inside there, and then just people would just come over. Yeah, just come over. It was it was a complex. I just time. can't even imagine. <laughs> but dude, I just can't it was even, fun though. Yeah, it, it was, was fun. I just was. can't imagine being one of those people to do that to somebody. Some else. people did it on purpose, Donnie. Yeah, you know, some people would like kind of wait and then kind of slither in like scumbags, 
And other people were just good people that I wanted around. Sure. Yeah. And other people, like I had a lot of friends that were regular people in St. Louis that were working nine to five or odd jobs and whatnot. And otherwise they couldn't come out and hang out or only stay for a little bit. So I was like, no, no, man. I, I Like, come on, man. You're my boy. You know, yeah. like, I got you. Don't worry about it. And so it all kind of blended together into this vicious animal that just became party time. And that's how it went. Yeah, we had a great time. Think though. about all the DWIs that Jamie got. None. Zero. Yeah. Car Clyde. service. Clyde. Clyde. Clyde the limo guy. Yeah, Clyde, Clyde the limo, limo guy. guy. Clyde, if you're listening, reach out to us on the podcast here because I miss you. Clyde oh. was awesome. How how funny is this for Clyde? Talk about, talk about the evolution of Clyde. He was my limo guy, independent guy, and I would just call him, and he would find a company in town that had a spare car that they weren't using, and we'd pay for the car, and he would take us wherever. And I never planned a night. Like, I would have the limo pick me up at the Keel Center and leave my truck parked there because I'm, like, not even chancing it. Yeah. And, Jeff, you were part of those some of those nights, and we went out and did smart things. Maybe not smart things. We did a smart thing by taking Clyde right. and yeah. having yeah, him yeah. drive us around. And then the full circle of it came, Clyde drove the limo for my wedding night. Oh, so it was funny though because Clyde, at gunpoint, could probably tell stories. <laughs> <laughs> and you brought him in. The two worlds of Jamie yeah. were colliding. I was like, "This is perfect. What better way, Clyde? You're going to drive for my wedding." He said, "What? You sure you want me there?" And by the way, you saying you don't want to have a grand entrance everywhere except for your wedding, if you remember, because that's it was, true. It was the stick tribute. Well, that's I didn't your know it was night. happening. So cool. Shannon oh, you didn't know that. it? No, I didn't know. I came around the corner and. Everybody in the or, or people that she had selected were holding all of my sticks too. Oh, all, really? like, I didn't oh, know yeah. that. Oh, oh that's kind of cool, yeah. dude. This podcast oh, well, is making Jeff me like Jamie like, even more. Jeff was like, "Can I hold your stick?" I'm like again? <laughs> yeah, but let's get to the thing first. I was trying to compliment, him, and there was a so penis big. joke in there. All right, well, this next email, it, it's a little bit long, but there was nothing really that I wanted to to cut out of it. So it's from Wesley. It says, first, Jeff is someone that doesn't know you. This might not mean much, but I wanted to send my best wishes. I only know you from the radio and social media, so I might not." know you personally but from listening to you over the years and based on what everyone says about you i think your battle against cancer is like you are the blues and cancer is a club team the club team the club team might have some goons that give you some cheap shots but we know what the final score would be we're all rooting for oh that's very nice thank you person i don't actually know so now i do so thank you and uh west goes on to say as for my inquiry i want to ask jamie an unusual question about pond hockey i grew up in rural illinois and we played uh baseball a lot a huge problem though was that all these baseball fields were next to cornfields while field of dreams might make the cornfield next to a baseball field look great when you're a kid Mm. baseballs cost money and it stinks (laughs) every game multiple times a game we would have to stop the game uh, to run into the cornfield to retrieve the ball as kids, you can't afford to lose a ball, and finding a baseball in a cornfield is every bit the needle in a haystack, it sounds like. The question might be obvious right now, but what do you do in a pond hockey game when someone hits the puck into a large snow pile or whatever nature, trees, tall grass, etc., <laughs> is present? It seems like this would be a problem with skates on. Was this something that happened often? P.S. Jeff, don't worry. I'll keep that one uh, I'll keep that one that you got out of your trunk quiet oh, while good. you're kicking cancer's ass. Thanks again. That's Wes in South <laughs> County. Wes, you're free. That is is awesome. It's a great question, too. And uh, one, thank you for whoever invented the hockey puck and made it black because you can see it against the white snow for the most part. Um, And then we played the rules like, you know, in basketball or soccer, even whoever kicks the ball out or throws the ball out, it's the other team's ball. Right. Well, with pond hockey, whoever did it had to go get the puck. Oh, sure. So you shoot the puck, you miss the net, you do something stupid. You've got to go get it. And so you just 
crawl over the boards and into the snow and go get the damn puck. We had boards in oh, your yeah. outdoor rinks? Oh, dude, it was serious. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, we we, st- we the would first pile couple up years, snow. We, first couple of years was that, and then, of course, somebody's dad. wasn't my dad because he wasn't that energetic. Um, <laughs> somebody's dad said, oh, I got some two-by-sixes around, and then all of a sudden made these like little frames for the outside of it to like hold them up, and then – so we had boards. So you're like, okay, fine. So you shovel the, the rink and you throw the snow over. So you'd have the boards and then the snow bank would be kind of above it. So a lot of times a puck got stuck in the snow bank, which was a pain in the ass because you had to dig it out. Sure, and then yeah. you had to go get the shovel, shovel and shovel out to, that yeah, one yeah. spot. You had to do that during a TV timeout, obviously. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> yes. Uh, Mystery Alaska. Uh, but otherwise, if the puck went flying over, well, you climbed over the snowbank and you went and looked for it. And the game would be paused until we found that puck. And sometimes if we were really pissed at the guy for being stupid, while he was gone looking for the puck, we'd just throw another one down and play without him. <laughs> I was going to say, you only brought one? As we got older, as we got older, though, the best part about it, eh, we'd bring a couple of beers. Uh-huh. Play hockey for after the game. Okay, and you take the beers and you jam them in the snowbank. Oh, sure. So while you're playing, the beer is chilling. Now, of course, we weren't of age, and I'm okay to say it now because I'm of age now. I'm right. Well Statue of, of limitations. Statue of limitations. <laughs> but we do like 15, 16, 17. In Canada, the drinking age is 18 and 19, depending where you're at. So it wasn't like it was like a, a massive stretch here. Yeah. And so you'd have somebody who brought a case of beer, and you go play, and you'd have it all in the snowbank, and then you guys, you'd literally sit like, down hard after the game, make your little seat in the snowbank and have a couple beers with the guys and laugh and joke. And then you're usually you're sweating because you played so hard out there. Take your skates off and go home. Aren't your with toes a, a little cold? With a little bit of a buzz on. And mom and dad would be like, oh, you're so sweet. You're all playing hockey so hard. You're like, God damn it. Yeah, yeah, Aren't your toes cold? I mean, come on, man. No. Okay. No, man. Dude, we're that, moving and shaking out there. Every part of that sounds Awesome. Yeah, I want to do really that does. right now. Yeah. Couldn't be any more Canadian at that <laughs> right, moment, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, this one from Bob. Donnie and Jamie, can you quit a couple of jobs and Jeff, get over cancer ASAP <laughs> so you guys can do this show seven days a week? Okay. LOL. I have sent this to all of my friends. Thanks for what you do. That's Bob Baker. Sure, That's awesome. Absolutely. Thanks, Bob. Hello. Um, <clears throat> all right, guys. Now, Love you, Bobby Boogie. <laughs> we are going to get into some... Um, let me read this one. There's a, there's a, one more nice Don't forget, one. And I got a, a couple here too from okay. the from the Twitter account. Very good. Well, all right, should we try and get to all those today? So this is from Gianch or uh, Gianch. She says uh, to the Last Minute Blues podcast team, I'm writing to tell you how much I enjoy your podcast. I'm a middle aged blind woman who has been a blues fan since I was a girl in the early 70s, listening to games on a transistor radio under the covers late at night when I was supposed to be sleeping. My question is, why do the Blues seem to take so many penalties? Keep up the good work. That's from <laughs> that's from G. Gian Fike. And I actually got in trouble a couple of times uh, because I would hide the ear the earphone underneath my pillow so I could listen to ball games and hockey games That's awesome. after after bed. I mean, I remember uh, I, I remember Dan Kelly uh-huh. and then obviously, you know, Buck and uh, Buck and Shannon. But man, I mean, I mean, that was one of the few things that I would get in trouble for. See, my, with me in my bedroom, it was I would get in trouble for watching. Um, uh, oh, Careful gosh, Jeff. what's his name? Careful, Jeff. Ah, I had it. Uh, British guy. Benny Hill. Benny oh Hill. Oh, yeah. yeah. 10 o'clock on uh, Channel 11. <laughs> Benny Hill. <laughs> sure. uh, hold on a second. Is that a boob? We're right. That's the first. There's a boob. I remember. Sure, he's chasing her across a, uh, that a was field. Awesome. You know, and it's in, in double time, but it's still a boob that right there. Funny. I just remember going. Oh. I, I just remember that, that day. Wait. 
There's boobs on Channel 11? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Was, I've got a was, whole story on that. <laughs> was, oh, my god! It was a big day. Yeah. Big day for it young was, Donnie. Yeah. Uh, so, me growing up, uh wasn't so much the radio. We had the TV in the living room. Black and white TV. Never forget it. We had four channels on it. And one was CBC and one was the French channel, TVA, which one of them had the Montreal Canadiens game on Saturday night. One would have the Maple Leafs. And so there was always a battle because my mom was a Maple Leafs fan and my dad was a Canadiens fan. So we had to, I, me and my brother were the remote. So every time there was a commercial, it was like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> right. you get to run back and sit there and Maple Leafs would, you know, get a whistle. Then you, okay, your turn to my brother. Go ahead, Sean. Fung, 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 fung. Wow, back to the hilarious. French channel. <laughs> and then we'd get sent to bed. And of course, we're like, dad, it's the second period. He's like, yeah, you got to go to bed, you know? And we had a staircase just like beside it and there was a little half wall and the tv sat right there so we would sneak down and you could sit on the stairs and just peek over the railing and you could see the game well my dad got smart right i think he got up one time to get something who knows maybe beer who knows and so we ducked our heads right he comes on sits on i told you guys to go to bed and we're like how the hell does he know where we at we figured it out about three times later because every time we do it he'd be like go to bed like son of a gun well, the bathroom light would be on upstairs, and our shadow would be on the wall. Uh-huh. So, but hang on. We got smart. We started shutting all the lights off up there and then doing Then he didn't know. So that's how we watched some of the hockey games. Dude, that's fantastic. Another and as far as, super uh, Canadian story, by the way. Another, uh, as far as her question about the Blues penalties, it is rare for them to take a lot of penalties. Craig Ruby hasn't been very happy about it either. Um, it's, it's an effort thing. You've got to move your feet. You know, move your feet to check the right way. Uh, when you're reaching for pucks is when bad things happen. So hopefully the Blues get that figured out. I, just real quick, did you guys see the video last night of that goal in the Buffalo Sabres game? Where And I cannot remember. There was Listen, it was legitimately Buffalo Sabres hockey in a 10-second clip where it showed a player walking around literally four Buffalo Sabre players was that and then scoring. Goal? Yes, it was Oshie's goal. Oshie, Pat, it be Oshie. like six to nothing? Was that the yeah, game? Yeah, it was a close game. Okay. Um, <laughs> Oshie uh, made all those moves and then Backstrom was sitting there and was like, oh, thank you. Thank you. But I mean, like, but you talk about you, you say this thing, the thing, though, about straight legs and using your stick and that's all those dudes were doing. There was yeah. nobody, there was no care. Yeah, they're out there in Buffalo, man. Right, right. Uh, all right. Hi, guys. Uh, watching the games <laughs> against Vegas uh, has shown how much the Blues play dump and chase while Vegas keeps tight control of the puck deep in their offensive zone. Doesn't dump and chase, just hand the opponent greater opportunities to get control of the puck. Is that too risky against any team, let alone Vegas? Okay, so the dump and chase happens when, you're, um, when your staff is challenged. And what I mean by that is you don't have Schwartz. You don't have Thomas. You don't have Barbashev. You don't have Bozak, which, by the way, guys, that's wrong all the way there. Anyways, so when you don't have the horses to play the possession game, you try to play the chip and chase game to get it down to the opposition's end, and then you try to be physical on their D, and then once you get the puck in the offensive zone, you try to maintain possession. It's just a changing of philosophy due to what your current personnel is. I wouldn't worry about it. The Blues are a puck possession team. And when they get everybody back, they will go back to playing that way. He says at the end here, and it's from Mark, last time you guys read out my email and noted that I'm from the U.K., one of you couldn't make out who said, good day, someone needs to swallow an atlas or go back to school. 
And uh, PPS is a true Brit in between having tea with the queen on a double-decker bus. I listen to your show eating my fish and chips, waiting impatiently for April 12th when the pubs reopen and the national uh, after the national lockdown. Cheers, boys. And that is from Mark from the so UK. So it's not good day, right? Nah, Put I'm... a shrimp on the Barbie no, then. No, still wrong. I still I don't... Think and I'm still no, the guy no. that did it. Mark, I was the guy who did it. It was a joke, but uh, <laughs> you never know with us. That's right. for sure. All right, one more, one more. Uh, one and this, more and then we'll be, time. and then we'll be caught up. I hate that song. Oh, man. I love that song. A Dude, great story. For it, that rem- song. it reminds me too much of being at the Oz and too much Grand Manier. Like, okay. Way, okay. so you know so, what? Sounds like it's your fault. First of all, yes, absolutely. Same exact stuff, except I love that. Yeah, that's why you do like it. I would have never thought you were a Grand Marnier guy. Uh, I was just at the time, dude. I wasn't. I was. I was in my early twenties, and I was was, an idiot. It was being purchased for you, probably. Well, there was some of that going on there too, like tickets or. Well, it was it was the back bartenders at the Oz and Tim Virgin, our old our old friend. That was his kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that was his drink, and and you know, man, who was I to say no? Right. I, if I when I was still an intern, I didn't have no money. Yeah. I'm just I'm just yes, happy Tim, to take yes, whatever. Tim, I'll just yes, sir. Thank you. Um, see if he's still drinking. Johnny. I would have had you. I would have got you. I appreciate see that, Jeff. I would uh, have. Jeff, hope you kick cancer's ass. Jeff, <laughs> Jamie, too. and Donnie watching the game against Vegas. The Blues seem to be in trouble. I know they're missing a number of people, and Tarasenko is still finding it. But Tarasenko's impression of Brett Hall playing defense was spot on. Uh, Questions for you: Number one, when is the D going to get better? Seems like since the start of the year, the D seems to be puck watching, losing their assignments, and leaving the goalies out to dry. Two, uh, will the team be able to figure it out before the playoffs start? Thanks. Keep up the good work on the podcast. A concerned fan. Can I? Can I take a stab at this yeah, one? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, as far as the defense goes, I think we still haven't had much time, if at all, where all of our defense has been healthy and together to be able to form a cohesive unit to play well. Now, do I still think there are problems? I, I maybe, but I still think that that is one really huge main reason for it and do i think they're going to be able to figure it out before the playoffs start and maybe i'm naive i think they will i think that we're going to get all the horses back and i think hopefully the timing of this could work out where the blues are maybe getting into the swing of things as the playoffs and into the year start which makes me uh ask do we know anything more on pareco and the reason why i say that is because when i hear it's a back right yeah it just concerns me Big time. And the fact that they haven't done any updates, maybe there's just no update. And he hasn't skated but, either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We, he's He's gone with a back or an upper or whatever injury it is, and then nothing after that. Yeah. Um, I believe he's progressing nicely. Okay. Um, he has not been skating, which you know, is still problematic. Um, but, yeah, he, he's progressing nicely, and I think that he'll be back at some point. Um, as far as the you know the the Blues being outmatched by Vegas or whatever, yeah, they're missing almost they're missing a line and a half of regular players. You know, think about that for a second. They're missing some of their top guys, and then the top guys who are playing right now are taking on too much ice time. Right. So it's a bad combination. It will get better. Can, can I ask a, a Pareko question? I know you're not going to know the answer to this because you don't exactly know what's going on. But if it's or a back, do I? It, or do you? Mm. But if it is a if it's a back thing, I would think the chances of it being re-injured or something that continues to be a problem are pretty great. So how do they weigh the surgery now versus surgery later sort of thing if they think it's imminent? Yeah, and it I, might not be. I might be talking crap, but I'm just saying it's not always imminent for for that matter. And uh, sometimes just getting it under control. Is the biggest thing. So okay. a lot of times when you have back soreness or, or disc problems, it's because it's touching on nerves. 
it's worn down and you have the nerves again, you lose strength in your, your leg or your, your, that side of the body. Um, so that's the biggest concern is that he'll be put in a compromised position. You can build that up again and almost fake your body into thinking it's okay. And at that point you can come back and then you see later on, some guys go without surgery. Some guys are fine with it for years and other guys, you take the second run at it and you go, yeah, this ain't working. Now it's time. Hopefully Colton Pareko has got a body that recognizes the treatment and that heals and gets better and he can play through this. Hopefully. Man, remember that first year or two when he was behind the net and he had that really jacked up way to where he fell and his knee turned? Do you oh, guys God. remember that? Yeah, that was weird. Whatever announcer was on TV at the time basically put him on, on well, IR. We were like, he's done for the year. Yeah. Oh, oh, it was it was something like, oh, really? it's really sad to see that happen for that young yeah. man. And he didn't miss a game. Didn't miss a game. I don't, I don't even know at if he missed a At that point, I was like, he really is Ivan Drago. Yeah. <laughs> you can't break him. Yeah. So hopefully he doesn't have to have a bacchiotomy. That'd be really bad. Man, that is, yeah. I mean, that's going to put you up for the longest yeah. for the longest time. <laughs> well, here, here we go, guys. Uh, as far as the emails at lmbp at 1057thepoint.com, we're caught up. No, we still yeah. didn't get to the Twitter question. Do you want to do those? My, but that's what I said w- with the email. And so yeah. do you want to do the Twitter ones or do we want to wait? We'll wait. We'll okay. wait on that because I know that they get mad at us down the hall if it's we too go long. too long. If we yeah. get too chatty. Yeah, if yeah. we get too yeah. chatty. All right. Um, but I do have some good news. The good news is is that there is a, a gentleman that reached out to us via Twitter who owns his own insurance company and sent me along his information, and we're going to give him a call about uh, sponsoring the show. Says hey, he's uh, he's up for jumping on board, wants to be a part of the team, and uh, you can too if you're listening at home or, uh, or in your car or at work or wherever. Where, I don't really care. Wherever. Wherever yeah. you're listening. That's great. Because Sponsors they're about available. to shut the power off on us soon. They said you guys have about a month to get this thing going, and after yeah. that, we're going to shut the power yeah, look, off. Guys, I can only pay for this for so long, okay? <laughs> this is true. <laughs> All right. And so we need your help. Well, whomever that is, that's awesome, and I hope we're talking about them on well, the show the next podcast. We will. We'll start off the show next time. We'll, we'll do some some housekeeping here. We've got a couple of questions, one from Sarah, who's a big listener of the show, uh, and, and a couple other ones we want to get to. So we make sure we try to get to everybody as yep. much as we can. Yep. Absolutely. We appreciate all your emails. We appreciate the follows. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.